Where do the Vikings go from here? They lost a really close game to the Denver Broncos on Sunday night. <sighs> that size says it all. Very frustrating loss for multiple reasons. We're going to talk about it and we're going to talk about this running back debate and Ty Chandler. Should he get more touches? Should Madison be benched? It's more complicated than what the eye can see on broadcast. Welcome to the real Forno show. Welcome to the real Forno show. Hosted by Tyler Bornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack Run In Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Fornos. With me, as always, in the top right corner, he is producer Dave. And in the bottom right corner, you can't see him. His name is Odie. And maybe I'll squat down and you can take a look and see Odie, but... Uh, my room is my office is kind of gross. I have clothes laying everywhere, so we might not get to do that. But he's here. And he loves Sound him. absorption material is what you have everywhere. Oh yes, um, I do have a lot of sound absorption material. I've not gotten anything on the ceiling yet, mainly because I suck with DIY stuff. And well, I, I don't want to do it. So, welcome to the Real Forno Show, Dave. We've had uh, almost twenty four hours to kind of sit. With the loss, how are you feeling this morning or evening? My brain is just absolutely messed up with time right now. Still frustrated over that game. Nah, nothing's changed. Yeah, absolutely. That That's probably the best way to put it. It's just frustrating. And it started with the third play of the game. The Vikings ran that trick play. I actually didn't get to see it live. All of a sudden, I just saw the Broncos were celebrating. Like, what happened? Because... uh my wife was watching Fubo, which is how we watch the game. So I was using my gimmick and it uh, like glitched for a quick second and it completely skipped the play. I'm like, what in the world just happened? Oh, yeah. And, and that up. was the that was the first spearing hit of the night. Mm-hmm. Kareem Jackson, the guy who made that hit, was just coming off of a two game suspension. He has been suspended four games for um, improper use of, of the helmet. And they're really trying to get people away from launching themselves. And it wasn't where he hit Dobbs. Where he hit Dobbs was fine. It was like in the chest. And in that oh, instance, it's under like, his chin. But he basically launched himself like a rocket. Crown of the helmet first, straight ahead. You can't do that. It's illegal. It's not safe. I'm less mad about the fact that it wasn't called on the field. Th- that's asking to hurt somebody like within that's intent to injure that. Like I, I will give all the credit to Luke Braun, who was the first to kind of voice that opinion. And he's right. You can't do that. That's been illegal since I was playing pop Warner. mm -hmm. You could not, they called it spearing and it's to hit with the crown of the helmet. And one not only can it injure the player you're tackling, it can injure you. It can severely cause spine problems, upper neck spine injuries, plus concussion-related CTE-type stuff, because there's no 
The neck isn't designed to take the compression like that. That's on the tackler. On the person with the ball, he came up, hit him here, came up under the chin, and I'm surprised he didn't knock him out because that's usually – and they and they were smart. They immediately yanked him and said, blue tent, check for concussion because that sort of hit can do that. It's You see it in boxing all the time. Somebody will come up with an uppercut right under the chin, and bam, guy goes out. It's the same mm-hmm. sort of hit. And, yes, he should be suspended. Yeah, he, he should have been suspended. And this isn't a one-time thing. One-time thing, okay. Two-time things, all right, come on. This is a multi-time thing. And the Texans uh, linebacker Denzel Perryman just got suspended for three games for basically the same thing impersonal use of the helmet and using it in their tackling. And it was reduced to two games. Same with Kareem Jackson. Jackson only took three plays to get suspended again. And they should have called the play on the field, but sometimes bang, bang, it can be hard to miss, especially like with how congested everything was. So but yeah, it sucks. It should have been called. And but, I was listening to, right. I think it was PFF's podcast today. Believe it or not, you know, there was three of those incidents in our game. That was just the first. And it wasn't all three by the same person. Mm-hmm. There was a... But when they asked New York, because New York's the big eye in the sky, why couldn't you do something, right? Because inside of two minutes, they can call and stop play and say there was a foul on that if the refs missed it. But outside of two minutes, they cannot, and there was no flag thrown on it. So there was no litigious way for them to get involved, even though they mm-hmm. saw it and thought it was um illegal hit. And it is what it is. And that's just the way the rules are written. As of present, they're going to have to change them again so that if New York sees something like that, that they could step in, even if the on-field... Reffing crew missed it. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating. Uh, the Vikings, it, you can't completely blame the loss on the refs. I mean, we just can't do that. But no. considering that multiple were missed, it's very frustrating. And it and especially because one of those uh, ended up with a fumble, you can absolutely say it was a contribution. And then when Alexander Madison got stood up and like Singleton basically did the same thing. Uh, that was a little bit cleaner. Um, he absolutely launched himself. Um, it hit the shoulder, but he just can't be doing that, man. You just can't. And doing that when you're Kareem Jackson, when you know the league is watching, this is like telling your mom, oh, I didn't take a cookie out of the cookie jar. And then she counts them leaves the room and then comes back in and counts them again. And another cookie's missing. You're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. You're just not. There's no way he was going to get the benefit of the doubt here because he continues to do this. It is a habitual trend. It is not a one-time occurrence. It is a trend and it is a worrisome trend because this isn't just about, um, this is about keeping players safe. This isn't about winning and losing football games. People can die. People have died playing football. DeMar Hamlin did die. And they were able to uh, resuscitate him, and now he's still playing in the league, which in itself is a miracle. 
Um, also, I thank you for mentioning that. I don't know if Dave can do anything about the stream lagging, but it's something that uh, we'll be aware of and we'll, we'll look into it. It could just be because it's a six o'clock thing and a lot of people are using the internet. We yeah, don't know. It's a bandwidth thing. It looks great at my end. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing the lag. So, well, that is a, that is a good thing. Um, but let's kind of talk about this game. This may be a little bit of an abbreviated episode. It is a holiday week. Um, the Vikings do play the Bears on Monday night football. And the, it'll be the first Monday, second Monday night game, excuse me, that the Vikings will have played this season, with the first being the win over the 49ers. Trying to do that Chris Berman voice, and that was just not very good. But it's this episode is going to be about where do the Vikings go from here? Because they're like, it's frustrating that they lost, but understanding some of the things that happened and then how you can kind of progress moving forward is going to be the key here. And let's start off with running back, Dave. Um, let's just be honest here. The Vikings don't have a good running back. They have eh running backs. Alexander Madison has his benefits. He's really good at the little things. He's really good at the like stuff like pass blocking and he's a good route runner and he's got the intangibles. He does those little things, right? When it comes to, I'm going to give you the ball, find the hole, hit it and go. Madison struggles. He hesitates. He doesn't see it with confidence. And because he doesn't see it with confidence, that ends up harming him. And then you have a guy like Ty Chandler who looks really explosive because he is come in and have a similar level of success. People are like, Oh, why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? It's little things. That interception was Ty Chandler's fault because he didn't get the block. Now Dobbs still has to make the throw, all that stuff. If Ty Chandler makes the block, that pick doesn't happen. That matters. That's why Madison is playing, even though he's objectively not as good of a runner. Or you could even like, I know some will say that he's better in zone, but if you, the Vikings are implementing a lot more gap schemes. So zone is, Hey, you're going to have like a general direction to go, but you, you pick a lane and you cut back and you attack it. Gap runs. Hey, Follow Dalton Reisner's button to the A gap, which is just to the right of the center in between the center and the guard. That's your hole. Hit it. A lot easier. It's a it's a point and shoot. Instead of aiming at a clay pigeon flying through the air, you're hitting a still target. You already know where it's going to be. A lot easier to do that. So Chandler looks explosive. But if you take out the fake punt, which if you're just counting runs on offense, Alexander Madison averaged 4.5 yards, carry Ty Chandler 4.2. Now, from an overall level, you're not going to take that out. But it wasn't an offensive play. It was a it was a trick play, and it worked, and they deserve credit for that. But it wasn't an offensive run. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. Madison has his issues, and I don't want him to be the starting running back anymore. Problem is, do we have a better option? No, we don't. And Chandler's going to have to fix some of those little things if he wants to continue to stay on the field because you don't just want to send Chandler out there because they're going to know it's a run because you're not going to trust them in pass protection. And those things matter here. 
you have to be able to have some kind of ambiguity with the play calling. You have to have a, a running back back there that can do multiple things because if he's only able to do one thing, they're going to be able to key in on that. And then that changes your play call. Um, it changes a lot of what the defense does. Like it's, it's just a tough scenario. The Vikings need to address running back and there's the whole mantra. Running backs don't matter because in that basically means you can find running backs for a lot cheaper. And when you pay a lot for running backs, you're not going to get the requisite value back for them, but you can still invest a second round pick like Dalvin cook on his rookie contract. was a great value. You still invested a good asset into him. The 41st overall pick. The Vikings should maybe consider doing that again. Spending a higher pick on a running back, getting a guarantee, maybe investing a little bit in free agency. Maybe try and trade Madison for like a sixth round pick and then start over. Austin Eckler is going to be a free agent. Maybe you invest a few bucks into him. He's, he's almost 30, but he's still got tread left on the tires. That That's the route that the Vikings need to go. Maybe they look at Saquon. I think that would be a bad decision, both financially and with team building, just because Saquon gets hurt every five seconds. He gets hurt more than Dave sips whiskey. And that's Seth, <laughs> like that. That's kind of what we're talking about. Like the Vikings need to address running back. I don't know how the best route to go about it is, but they, they shouldn't be paying top of the end market value. They should be trying to get a good, consistent player. And they might've had one with acres. We'll never know because he tore his Achilles. And I'm, I'll be honest, that might be the end of his career. And I don't mean that as a negative thing. I don't mean that as me trying to wish any harm upon his career. He's going through his second torn Achilles tendon under the age of 25. Yep. That's brutal. That's like, uh, like a lot of times professional wrestlers to kind of change it up. They break their necks. It's common. You get uh surgery to um, stabilize it. Uh, I, I can't remember. Um, fusion surgery where you basically they take um, a drill and they put in a metal rod in between two discs and they fuse it together. Very common with wrestlers because of how, how they work. You take a lot of bumps on your head or right back here on, on like in between your shoulders. It's normal. Once you have the first surgery, it's supposed to strengthen it a lot. But if you have a second one, that can be brutal. You remember uh, wrestler Edge, you know, goes by Adam Copeland in AEW. He had a second fusion surgery. And be- when he had that, they told him you're never going to wrestle again. About five, six years after that, he had a triple fusion surgery that r- alleviated all of his pain. And now he's wrestling again. And it's, I mean, he doesn't take pile driver spots, but he can wrestle. And it's, it's not a farce. So that's kind of where we're at, like theoretically with, Cam Akers, he is going to be going through another brutal surgery, another brutal rehab process. Mm-hmm. And- oh. <clears throat> I just ahead. want to address the lagging. I'm watching the uh, bandwidth, and we're being choked out. Spectrum's choking us out at the moment. That's probably why the lagging. Now, I do highly suggest everybody check their settings, because once it drops... 
as the bandwidth gets choked down, the quality drops, go click, click it back to auto or click it back to its highest setting, it might catch up. And this sometimes happens, and there's nothing I can do to control this. I wish I could. Wish I had a direct pipe, uh, as they say in the business. Wish it was fiber optics. But sorry, guys, this is something on my end. Somebody hopefully hasn't dug up a cable or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's hope. Um, hey, I, I appreciate that. Go get them. Um, it's uh, it's fun. It helps that this is my full time job, and I'm not uh, doing a full time job while also doing this. <sighs> Just as Dave, that was that was that was a hard hard time, um, but we made it. Mm-hmm. We made it. Now. Let's kind of move on because we're going to make this a relatively abbreviated show just because I'm exhausted and I still have a lot of work to do. Mondays are a busy day, and after a Sunday game, (sighs) brutal. So one thing I want to remind everybody of, if you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, do all the things. The best part is it's free. You're doing all this stuff, and it's free to help us. And if you want to help us monetarily, there's two ways you can do that too. With a super chat, uh, a lot of people have done that. And there's also subscriptions where we're going to be doing a lot more bonus content, especially once the season ends. And I'm going to be bringing on a lot of guests, shorter, shorter shows, 15 to 30 minutes talking about draft prospects. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And you're going to get a lot of those before everyone else. You will have a window where you're going to get it before everyone else. And then we'll release it to the general public. And that's going to be a benefit for you guys. There's multiple tiers. Go ahead and pick one. And there's also a tier where if you are on our top tier, there's going to be special shows just for you guys to come on and talk ball. That's it. Super fun, super easy. And if you want to help monetarily, great. If you don't, it's free of charge. Mm -hmm. All it has to do is like, comment, subscribe. That's it. That's all free. And it helps the algorithm. It helps us grow. We are already at 1,650 subscribers, and we started March 13th. Mm-hmm. We're very, we appreciate very you all for that. T-Bass, yes. yes, the Vikings are 1-2 and two against teams with winning records. Uh, 500 and 500, they're 2-3. and three. That's not that impressive, the reason being that Lewisine isn't playing. You know that. <laughs> That's good. Listen, um, you're not supposed to beat teams that are over 500 like it, it's okay to beat like where the vikings are if one you want to contend you want to beat teams over 500 yeah but i think beating the 49ers and then losing to the chiefs and eagles i think is objectively fine like in my latest power rankings the eagles were one the chiefs were two and the niners were four you beat the fourth team and lose to one and two both of those games which the vikings had chances to win by the way they, they weren't beat they lost. Like I, I think the Vikings are in a good spot, and they should have beaten the Chargers. Like it, it, I'm not super worried about that stat, but I will tell you, the Vikings on the road are four and two, and I think that's pretty dope. All All Pro is the uh, is the highest, Davy. Um. 
Which Dave right. is. Yes, he is. And if you remember, Davey joined us a, a few Mondays back, and he was the first one to be able to take advantage of, of that perk. Let's also, let's let's move on, because there's a few things I want to talk about. Um, next is Makai Blackman, Andrew Booth Jr. Makai Blackman played almost the entire game, played 53 or 55 snaps. He was attacked a lot. Um, they utilized, uh, they, and they moved Blackman around a lot. He was on Jerry Judy. He was on Cortland Sutton. And those elements, like he just got beat and it's okay to get beat. It's a little frustrating, but it's not like the Vikings absolutely sucked. Like Blackman just had a rough night, but what was really curious here, Dave, Andrew Booth Jr. Played four snaps, all of them on special teams did not play once on defense. Joan Williams elevated from the practice squad played 17 snaps. Why was Booth not playing? I, I really don't have an answer for that. And I think we're going to understand more when we maybe hear from Brian Flores later this week. He usually talks, I believe, on Wednesdays. We also could find out, hey, maybe it was just a situational thing. where It's either Tuesdays or Wednesdays. One of those two days. Mm -hmm. Yes, and it's a good question because people have been asking, why didn't Booth play? I don't really know. Um, If I had to speculate, and this is pure speculation, I think it's because of practice. And I also think it's because of situational matchups. That, that's, that's the only thing I can really parse out because Blackman is not playing at this substantially better level than Booth. If he's, I think he's better right now, but we aren't, we aren't talking about a guy who is just substantially worse. We're not talking about going from Jalen Ramsey to uh Waswas we're talking about like, hey, like these guys are both like 2019 Xavier Rhodes. They have talent, but they're liabilities right now. Can you help you know, them grow from there? They're kind of in the same bucket. I, I don't know why Blackman's getting so much more run. Blackman's had success. So is Booth. I'm not really sure what the deal is. Um, we'll find out. And I think that we're going to find out with a substantial period of time now that we've seen Dobbs struggle. Uh, sorry, not Dobbs, Blackman. Like maybe that that is a the pathway to get Booth more snaps. I, I really don't know, and that's the tough part. I don't have an answer, so we're just kind of parsing it out and talking through it and trying to figure out why that might be. Because watching Booth, he's been fine. He's he's not phenomenal. But he's playing on a level very similar to Blackman, and I'm trying to figure it out. Well, the answer is get Evans back. And hopefully, they miss Caleb Evans. Um, And hopefully, by the end of the week, he may be ready to play Monday. But that's in doubt. If you didn't know, you do now. He's good. He is good. Um, Caleb Evans is a very good starting cornerback in the National Football League. Is he great? I don't think great's the right word. He's very good. He's a capable starter. And being a starter at corner is a big deal. He also has the size to be able to contend with a guy like Cortland Sutton. 
I wouldn't have been shocked if Evans followed Cortland Sutton around if he ended up playing on Sunday because you have the size matchup. Evans is a good athlete. Sutton's only a good athlete. So being able to kind of like match size for size, I think is also important. It's going to be interesting to see how quick he comes back. Calf injuries are tricky. Just ask Joe Burrow. Can take a while. But we also don't know on what level the calf is injured. It could just be like a tweak or a bruise. It could it could be a small pull. It could be a much bigger deal. We don't know. My guess, Evans has already been listed as questionable by O'Connell. Um, so is Justin Jefferson. We'll get to that here next. My guess is Evans doesn't play. And they give him an extra week to get healthy. And he'll be back four weeks after his initial injury against the Las Vegas Raiders. And they take him on on the 10th of December. Three days after my birthday, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure where to go from here with these guys. But I think that they have two ca- capable corners long term, which is a good thing. Um, T-Bass, I don't think Booth is a bust. You obviously would have liked to have seen more. But the time he's been on the field this year, he's been fine. He's been good. Uh-huh. He has been alive. Like Mateo said, Booth is sort of like Davenport. When Davenport's been on the field, he looked great. <laughs> Just getting him on the field. What's Odie doing? Uh, oh, he is. He's um, so the way my office is set up. The uh, I, I have like all my hoodies and jerseys, which I have like a jersey collection of like forty. Um, they are just chilling and like the closet door is open. It's like those, those open up ones, the four panels mm-hmm. and he's, he's just exploring, looking for something he can chew, but I brought in a bone and his little lamb. He loves his lamb. Um, so we'll, uh, yeah, he's doing okay. Right, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's now- being a good boy. For those that are asking for film breakdowns to learn more, we'll probably get into that this upcoming summer. Mm-hmm. So we can go through yeah. that. With my schedule, it is hard to do them on a regular basis, like in this medium. I can do it, clip it, and then post it on Vikings Wire. That's a little bit easier for me just because of how the process works. Because I have to get all these clips to Dave. Dave has to upload them. And then we have to be in sync on how we're going to talk about them because he controls everything on his end. I don't, I don't get to press a button and then start and stop. So we have to kind of figure that stuff out too. But yeah, we'll, we'll have stuff like that this summer. But until then, you'll, uh, we'll do stuff on vikingswire.com. And I do film stuff every week. So this week, I, I think the focus is going to be on play calling, the running game, trying to figure out uh, Kevin O'Connell. Because my vibes, as I said last night, were that he got out-adjusted. But it might've just been the Vikings just didn't execute. And I'm going to try and find out that answer when I watch the film, because overall, I think Kevin O'Connell is a great play caller. I think he's a great schemer. And I think he sets his players up to succeed more than almost anybody in the league. Sometimes that's not enough and you still have to execute. Like the, the game against the Cowboys is one I used. The Vikings had beaters for the cover three that they were running and they were getting open. Problem was the pressure got to Kirk Cousins. Oh, D, come mm-hmm. here, bud. I don't like that you're sniffing. You're going to pee on dad's floor. 
I'm calling it. Odie, come here. <laughs> Odie, if you pee on my floor, I will kick you out of that my house. That is one thing that once that Dalton, that Tyler's already doing, but it, he'll especially get into once our season is over. Mm-hmm. And we'll figure out a way to show some of those tapes. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Um, I, I want to talk about two more things, then we're going to get out of here a little early. But we have the Super Bowl rematch tonight, so it's something you're going to want to watch. Ivan Pace Jr. played every single snap and was a menace in the run game. And what he lacks in size, he makes up for an elusiveness. And something that he's been doing recently is big offensive linemen will be out front. He will like maneuver around him, like, like dip. Like, uh, have you ever seen the movie Dodgeball? Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. And that's kind of how Ivan Pace Jr. plays football. He just avoids impact. And sometimes he just like takes his body and uses it like a battering ram in ancient Rome and throws himself against these linemen. Like he's trying to bust through and uh, take down Julius Caesar. Like it's some pretty cool stuff. He is awesome and he's fun and he's a lunatic and he's all these different things. I don't know what kind of future he has long-term being like an every down backer, but I think this was a good test and he passed and he did well. And the Vikings could have just scored huge on a UDFA linebacker who plays like a psychopath. And I mean that in the most endearing way. Playing like a psychopath in the NFL, this is a good thing. And I, I wanted to give him a shout out, and I'm excited to kind of watch the defense of all 22, try and figure out what this is going to look like uh, long-term and how well he actually did play on Sunday because I think he did play really well. Last thing, Dave. <sighs> The offense needs Justin Jefferson back. And it's not an insult to everybody else. It's more of a credit to what Justin Jefferson does and how he impacts defenses. We didn't really feel it in the first five games. We felt it on Sunday because Addison was not at his best. Hawkinson wasn't at his best. I actually labeled Hawkinson one of my duds for the week. And Josh Jobs' ball placement is an issue. He is hitting guys just in, in the surface area, but because you're only hitting him in the surface area and not hitting a pinpoint spot, it's allowing defenders to make plays on the football. If you make plays on the football, that's bad for the offense. Cousins would throw with precision. Dobbs doesn't have that. Will he get it in this offense? I can't tell you that. A lot of this has to do with chemistry, where if I know Dave is running a 12-yard out route, I know exactly where I need to throw the ball once I hit the back of my drop because we practiced it. Yeah, and we have that blindfolded. Yes, he can do a blindfolded. All he has to do is see, okay, I'm here. He's there. One, two, three, four, five. Set, fire, ball in the right spot. Dobbs doesn't have that with any of these receivers. Maybe Hawkinson because they've worked together in the offseason. But it, it... you can't expect him to have it. And he ball placement has never been something he's been great at in the NFL. Well, he's also bounced around from team to team. So maybe that's part of the issue. Maybe once he has a real run, you'll start to see that improve and improve and improve. And ball placement, honestly, could have, uh, if the ball placement was good on like three or four throws, Vikings probably win the game. And that's why they call football game of inches. A few inches here, a few inches there can change the outcome drastically. Oh, just and, like those. All right. It's under review. Did he pass the line of gain? 
And each time it was, nope, he's just that short. Yep. And why does this all matter? Because once you have Jefferson, Jefferson can make those catches. Where if it's thrown back shoulder, he can grab it and pull it with strength and be able to catch it. He's got a bigger envelope for, to use a mm -hmm. flight test term. Yep. He also um, impacts how the game is uh, played. He impacts how people um, attack the Vikings offense. He makes it a lot easier for his teammates to be able to get open. All of this matters. All of it. And I'm really excited to see what it looks like with Dobbs. I'm excited to see what it looks like with all of these guys, because I think that there is a potential to be really, really good, but you have to be able to fix some of those little nuances. And the Vikings in to throw one ball, 20 plus yards on the field. Sorry. One. It was the last one. The last throw of the game went 20 plus yards. So, having Jefferson could make that a real big impact. And I will also say Brandon Powell outsnapped Jalen Naylor 44 to three. So once Jefferson comes back, Naylor's wide receiver five, it is not. Oh, that's what happens when you're hurt and you don't get the playing time. I will say, I think it's less about Naylor and I think it's more about Powell. Powell's played very well and he balled out all camp. Um, But as you said, if Naylor was playing, that probably doesn't get to manifest itself in the same way. And Naylor did play a lot of snaps last week, and he played three this week. You can't say it was for the run game because if it was because of the run game, Naylor's a better blocker than Powell is. It's not like Powell's getting jet sweeps or they were running a lot of jet action. Like Powell's just passed him on the depth chart, and that's okay. It's good to have players rise up and be better because it, it helps your football team. And now when they don't have to be relied on as much, they can still be utilized and you all of a sudden have a stronger, excuse me, football team. And that's a great, great thing to have. And I think that's one of the things with this culture that Kevin O'Connell has really built. It helps the Vikings. It helps them take things to a different level. And I don't know if this Vikings team will end up doing anything in the playoffs. If I had to guess, they'll make the wild card and they'll, make some noise in the wild card round. Will that result in the win? I don't know. But if they get to the divisional round, I think they're probably done. But that like, this is the competitive rebuild. The Vikings weren't expecting to do anything this year. And if they make the playoffs with this roster and how this season is gone, that's a culture win. And that is how you continue to build belief and skills and true development in your locker room. That's how you build a winner. Yeah, it'd be nice to get the first overall pick, Caleb Williams, Drake May. And if that would have happened, I would have been okay with that. But this is also a good thing. Being able to extrapolate what's going on and maximize your circumstances. That's what the Vikings are doing. I think that's great long-term for this franchise, and we should be happy with how things are going. And uh, think about it. Everybody's talking about KOC. KOC is only in his second year as a head coach mm-hmm. when the Wilfs and the brain trust behind the Wilfs hired both 
Quasi and KOC, they knew that the the window wouldn't be expected to be opened until probably next year or the year after at the earliest. But they wanted to win during that time period to be competitive. They're achieving that. And it takes a while for a head coach, a brand new one, to get his legs under himself. Even with the great ones, it took a while when they were brand new rookies to to learn that. And they're no different. They're no different than that. They've done, a, I think, a pretty good job so far. And I expect them to grow as well as we go through the rest of this season and hopefully into the playoffs and see how far the playoffs we get. Because they're still at that, you know, that building portion of this. So I'm not... I'm not harping on too much for that. It could be worse. Like Michael says, we could be a dumpster fire. We are not. Uh, you know, like the, and he lists the commanders, but there's the Cardinals, and I mean, there's plenty of examples out there. I do want to address real quickly Jeremy, you asked about offensive linemen. I have answered that numerous times because I follow the big round bellies that, uh, yes, what they're taught in college, but also before college high school and Pop Warner style of stuff greatly affects what we get in the NFL. And there's, I've gone on about it. I won't go on about, about it tonight, but yes, that is a huge factor. And that may be why we have 12 backup quarterbacks starting now. Mm -hmm. Guys, unless there's any questions from the chat, we're going to wrap it up because it's, Look, you get a Super Bowl rematch the week of Thanksgiving. You got to go watch and you got to get yourself set up. And I want to give everybody the opportunity to, to do that. Um, I'll say this much. We are blessed right now with where the Vikings are at, considering everything, considering what Rick Spielman left this franchise with, with the bad contracts and a subpar roster and basically wasting four third round picks. In one draft, we're blessed to have an, had an organization that found a capable general manager who is willing to listen to all parties involved and not go rogue and make decisions for the betterment of us rather than him. We're blessed that he found a head coach who I didn't believe in it at first compared to the other candidates. And I'm glad I'm wrong. O'Connell's been great. 19 and 9 to start his career as a head coach. And he's shown himself to also be a really creative and talented play caller. We're in a great spot and we're going to be able to take things moving forward. Um, T bass. I'm going to disagree with you. We don't have cheap ownership. We have ownership. That's willing to fork over money. If it helps this organization, try to win a super bowl. They have shown that time and time again. And I, I, I don't know how much Kevin O'Connell's getting paid, but when you look at the the pool last year for potential coaches, the best candidates were guys who didn't have experience outside of Jim Harbaugh. Like I, I I'm okay with hiring a, a young up and comer because that can be just as good as somebody who's already has experience doing the job, but ownership has been willing to pay money. Look at TCO us bank stadium. Oh yeah. And uh, us bank stadium is already paid for. The 
30-year loan that they took from the city of Minneapolis, already paid it back. Yeah, that's pretty dope. They took them seven years to pay that back. That's awesome. But when, when you look at it, I think the Vikings are set up for success. I really do. Um, we'll be back Wednesday with some form of show. We're going to try and do it live, but there's a possibility that uh, it is a tape show. Um, and if I don't get to see you live until then, I want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. I don't hear here in the comments. One thing that you're thankful for one thing. And I want it to be, I want to hear one thing Vikings related, one thing not Vikings related. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for my wife and my dogs. And I'm also thankful uh, that we get to watch Brandon Powell play football because go Gators, baby. <laughs> um, look, I, I, I'm thankful that the Vikings have made this a fun season to watch. Um, there's nothing worse when you're covering a team than covering an average team. I'd rather I, I, I'd like to cover a really bad team or a really good team. You don't want to cover an eight and eight team. And the, and this has been a fun team. Dave, let's finish off with this. What are you thankful for? Hey, I'm thankful for this great community. And Jeremy hits it up. You guys make it all the best for us. I've preached it numerous times and across many channels. You all make us, you know, the ability to talk Vikings football like we're sitting in a bar or sitting by a fire or in front of a grill with a couple beers or whiskeys and just having a good time talking about it. You warm our hearts, and I'm very grateful that you allow us into your life doing that and talking to Minnesota Vikings. And I'm grateful for, you know, all my good friends that I've met met and work with here, Tyler being one of them, and uh, it's just awesome. I, life is good. Life is real good. With family, the whole works. It's good. Spot off in the comments, guys. I want to hear what you're what you're thankful for. Not just the live comments. I mean the comments. Comments. What are you thankful for? One one Vikings, one life. Hey T Bass. Um, yes, you're correct. About the two most successful head coaches had uh, in common. The answer was head coaching experience. Well, if what is it? If KOC wins one more, he moves ahead on the of everybody for the most wins in his first two seasons, including Denny. Yeah. Odie's a happy boy. He's getting he's getting pets right now. <laughs> he's like, Dad, can we go? I'm I'm excited to go see my sister. Well, then let's do that. Tell everybody we'll see him Wednesday. There's plenty to be thankful for. And hey, we got the Bears coming up next week, so should Dog be a bear. great holiday weekend. Dub bulls, dub bears, dub bulls. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna beat those guys. We're gonna have a sausage while doing it, and, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna sing the praises of Mike Ditka from Dave. I'm Tyler. He's Odie. Skull Vikings, baby. See you Wednesday. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community. And we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis 
and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.